0: Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. All right, well, I'm going to speak to you for a long time this morning, and everybody said, "Oh, I love you. You're so nice, even if you're disingenuous." Right? But I told you last week, and I really believe this, and I hope that. You know, sometimes you build things up, and you're kind of like, okay, well, well, that really wasn't like you I thought, Pastor. But I told you last week that I thought that I would preach a message today that I believe is one of the most important messages I will preach in this church this year. Um, I still believe that. I still believe that to be the possibility. Um, of course, I mean, you know the importance of a message is often determined by the need of the hearer. I, I mean, you know I can come in and I can speak a message. Uh, on healing. And if you don't need a healing, maybe it doesn't quite mean that much to you. Amen. But, um, but it, today, you know, you can have a great message, but perhaps it's not what someone may need while at the same time, someone else is incredibly blessed by it. That being said, I believe today's message is one of the most important I've done this year for several reasons. One is I believe there is hope in this message For those who may have in their life at one time or another made some grave mistakes. Anybody in here ever made any mistakes? Anybody have any regrets? You know, all right? I I believe there's hope in this message for those who may be the product of somebody's grave mistakes. How many of you have ever been the um, recipient or the product of somebody's sin? Somebody's mistakes? Somebody's whatever. You were born into something. You were thrown into something, thrust into something. I I believe you'll have some healing today. I I believe it's important because I believe today's message will be a reminder of who we are as a church. The mandate upon this church. How many know we have a mandate upon us? That I believe it's a message with a mandate. I believe it coincides with the mandate on this church. I believe it will be a message that will challenge you as to your part in it. Um... So it'll be a message of hope, a message of healing, a message of challenge, a message of vision, a message that'll call for commitment. Um, it'll be a message that some of you will love, and it'll be a message that some of you will hate. <laughs> Amen? But don't hate me, okay? Oh, it's nervous in here. So let's get on with it. What's the, what are we preaching today? We're going to preach a message entitled Jedediah Rising. Jedediah Rising, this theme has been in my heart for several weeks, and um, I'll I'll illustrate it for you in a way in just a little while, but it's the story that many of you know. You can turn if you want to to 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12. I'm kind of gonna recap, and I'm not gonna read a lot of the scripture, but it's a story that many of you know. You've heard it. You've heard this sordid story many times. It's a CSI script. It's, it really is. It's a, it's a thriller. It's a murder mystery movie. It's a tabloid sensation. It's a front page story. It's the story of a king whose lust led him into sin. No men have ever had that happen, right? No ladies have ever had that happen, right? It's the story of a king whose sin led him to becoming an adulterer, and some people say a rapist. The story of a king whose sin led him to coercion and manipulation of one of his trusted soldiers. You know the story. David, he's on the roof. He looks down. He sees Bathsheba. He's the, she's the wife of another man, a wife of one of his trusted soldiers. He sees her. He likes what he sees. He wants to know what that's like. So he, what's he do? He says, I want her. Finds out she's the wife of Uriah. How many know that's a stop sign from God? How many know when you hear that, that's a big stop sign? How many of you have ever ran a stoplight? How I many ever ran a stop sign? How I many ever ran one and got hit? <laughs> I promise you this much if you start here in the boulevard and you go up and down and run every red light and you do it 50 times, sooner or later you're going to get hit. Okay? And, and this story of this king whose sin led him to conspire to commit the killing of an innocent man at the hands of their common enemy. They have a common enemy, but David says, Put him at the front of the army and withdraw so my enemy kills my trusted friend because I need to cover up what I've done. Isn't amazing the depths of depravity that mankind will go to to cover up sin? The story of a man's sin that led him to a blatant cover-up of his sin only to be found out by God. It's the story of a man who then paid the penalty of sin. It's the innocent, because how many know the innocent always suffer through the actions of the guilty? I wish I could tell you that my... Family has never suffered because of my sin, but that's just not true. How many ever sinned and caused pain? The innocent always suffer through the choice of the guilty. So now she becomes pregnant, and there's a baby born to this adulterous conspiracy killing. And this baby born, the fruit of this, will die. And, and many people look at God and they, they say, God, you're too harsh, and God, you're too this, and God, you're too that. How many know that seems harsh? Nobody thinks that seems harsh? Then so we're not going to be committed until we hear what you have to say. We're non-committal. Look, you're not politicians, okay? All right? The judgment of God, the price of sin. Isn't it interesting that the price of sin only seems too much when we actually have to pay it? We don't seem too much ahead of time. It's afterwards. It's interesting that the price of sin will cause us to say that God is unjust. We sin, and then we say God's judgment is too harsh. I had a friend of mine one time. He was driving up here. It was Jimmy Mascaro, and he was driving up here from Virginia. And godly man, great man, and he comes up, and he was all mad because he got a speeding ticket. I was, okay. He says, I, I set, my, I set my, speed, my cruise control 10 miles above the speed limit. I said, okay. Well, What are you, what are you complaining about? Well, well, they're supposed to give you the first step. Wait, wait, wait. You deliberately set it 10 miles over the speed limit. And now when you get busted, it's their fault. Excuse me. All right? Now, I'm just going to tell you, I set mine 10 over 2, but I'm not complaining when I get a ticket. Okay? So this is what we do with God. God says, here's the law. Obey the law. Walk in the law. Then we don't walk in it. God's judgment comes down, and we're complaining when we deliberately do it. You see, you have to understand something. Some of you may say, well, why did the baby have to die? It's an interesting thing. Listen to what Nathan the prophet said to David. He said, however, because of this deed, you have given. Now what's he saying to David? You have given great occasion to the enemies of God to blaspheme him. Oh, oh. He says, you, you, David, through your choices, through your decisions, you have produced something that is going to enable the enemies of God to mock him and insult him and ridicule him the rest of his life. I'm going to tell you something. I don't really want my life to produce something that enables the enemy to mock my God. Whew. How many you know that the world watches the Christians only to say, where's your God? Is that your God? To point the finger. And another version says that Nathan said it this way, but because by doing this, you've shown contempt for the Lord. You've shown contempt. This was the God who took him from the pasture to the palace, who gave him the giant victory, who did all these things. And now David, in his contempt, says, I want what I want what I want, and I don't care what God has to say about it. You see, let me say this to you this morning. Some of you, even in the sound of my voice this morning, you're making decisions that's causing the enemy to mock God. Some of are making decisions that are in contempt towards God. Some are making decisions that are an affront to God. These decisions, which are sin, are going to cause ripples for your family into the future. So what does David do? I'll get this. So here he is. He's got a son born to this relationship he should have never had. Judgment of God comes down. Nathan comes in and puts him on the spot. What does he do? Well, the Bible says he confessed. He looks at Nathan and says, I'm the man. I have sinned. I mean, no that's a great place to start. When God puts his finger on you and points out your sin, how many of the best thing you can do is come into an agreement with him? Confession is coming into an agreement with God saying, you're right. But how many know what we'd rather do is justify? But God, you don't understand. My wife was ignoring me. <laughs> My wife wasn't doing what she should be to. So? But you don't understand no, God understands. He confessed. The Bible says he was repentant. The Bible says he had a contrite heart, a broken spirit, humility. Psalm fifty-one gives us the account of what David did after this sin. Okay, now let's get to where we're going to go this morning. This is all, this is all introduction, and just to see how long the closing is. Now, the baby dies. Then David, who has confessed and repented, now goes, he brings Bathsheba to the palace, marries her. I mean, this is almost like it's a restitution. Because literally according to the law, he should have done this. All right, and now watch what happened. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba and went into her and lay with her and she gave birth to a son and he named him Solomon. Hmm, And he named him Solomon. I want to ask you a question for just a moment. What would you have thought if you were David? Is it possible? Maybe just just imagine with me for a moment. What are you thinking? The last child died. The last child died. Is it possible that this child could die? Is this child going to live? Is God still holding this against me? Are you wondering what would happen next? Are you wondering what God would think of this offspring this time around? How is God looking at you? And what does God do? God sends Nathan the prophet, the one who convicted him of his sin. He sends Nathan the prophet. And listen to what the the scripture says. Now the Lord loved him, meaning the baby, and sent word through Nathan the prophet, and he named him Jedidiah for the Lord's sake. Do you understand what this meant for this man, David? Do you understand that David is now hearing from God that the the fruit of this relationship now was loved by God? That Jedidiah means Yahweh, beloved of Yahweh. The message of hope was that what you now have produced, I love. Listen to me for a moment. Your sin may have caused death, but your repentance will produce a Jedediah. Your sin may cause death, but I'm telling you this morning, your repentance can produce a Jedediah. Repentance always produces something that God loves. Do you know God embraces repentance? He embraces it. He embraces repentance. He embraces contrition. He embraces humility. That now, listen to me this morning, you want to produce a Jedediah in your life? Repent. Confess, repent. God sends a message and says, I'm no longer angry with you, David. You have confessed, you have repented, you have made restitution. Now this offspring is something that I love. God is looking for a people who will produce something out of repentance and out of confession that he can say, I love that. I love that. Jedediah was a word of hope, a word of restoration to a fallen David. Man, it's just, I mean, can you imagine if you were David, what it would be like to get that message? Solomon was the fruit of confession, repentance, and a contract, and broken spirit, and even restitution. What's the message of God to David through this name? I love the fruit of this. David, don't worry. I love him. Don't worry. I love him. Be encouraged today. You've made messes. You have made mistakes. You have sinned. You have reaped the fruit of sin. Be encouraged. There is a Jedidiah in your life. Let me say something to you this morning. There's Davids in his house this morning. There's Davids in his house this morning that you have done the things that you shouldn't have done. There's Davids in his house this morning that you have through sin, cause pain, cause death, cause whatever it might be. But I want to promise you this morning something, that you are David, and if you are David, and you are confessing, and you are repenting, I'm making you a promise this morning that there's a Jedediah to be birthed in your life, that God says, I love that. But you can't do it any other way. Here's a message of hope here. Now watch this, but this is a message to David. David. Of restored fellowship, that there's a Jedidiah in his life. But what about Solomon? You're the kid. You're the, you're the baby. My grandkids have lots of names. They got their formal names. We know we got the little granddaughter, Carson Elizabeth. Okay. Got Liam Daniel. Right? But there's other names that I have. These names come from a place in Pappy's heart, right? Carson, there's, there's, I constantly call her baby girl. Hey, baby girl, come here, baby girl. Okay, how I many know when I can, come here, baby girl, I wanted to crawl up in my lap and we're just gonna cuddle there for a while, right? Okay, and, and, and yet the fact of the matter is, before she was baby girl, my little girl was baby girl. Tony was baby girl when she was about this big. And that term, that phrase, that's my name to her and it speaks something different than just Carson. Liam, I I'm like the Carson. Sometimes I even call Carson Fred. Hey, Fred. Usually when I call her Fred, we're being goofy. Right? Just being goofy. Hey, Fred. And then you got Liam. Sometimes I call him Bubba or Bubby. Before Liam was Bubba or Bubby, Nick was that. Liam, sometimes I call him Buster Boy. Come here, Buster. Come here. You know, and I'll, now depending on which one I use, is whether we, whether we cuddle or wrestle. Uh, all right, But the point is that I use different terminology to elicit a certain response from them. They're terms from my heart that displays to them what I'm thinking of them. I'll say to, I'll say to Carson, who's my favorite girl? She knows what to say. i say to Liam, who's my favorite boy? Thank God it's a boy and a girl. I don't want to be a Jacob. A boy was born, and his father gave him a name, Solomon. Son of the king, the prince, the son of the great king David, the son of an adulterer, the son of a rapist, the son of a conspirator, the son of a murderer, the son of a cover-up artist, the son of a tabloid sensation the son of the front page news story. I mean, it would be on the front page today. If he lived today, Google would forever tell his father's story. Wikipedia would tell his story. If he lived today and ran for office, how many know this would be used to discredit him? If he lived today, his father would be a social media sensation. The backstory would always be that's Solomon, son of King David. But do you know the rest of the story? I, I'm, I'm 55 years old now, and people still want to say some of the stuff I did at 17. <laughs> and they're in the church. Get over it. <laughs> I remember when you, yeah, that was me, guilty. <laughs> The backstory would always be, but do you know the rest of that story? Do you know what his dad did? Do you know what his dad did to his mother's husband? Let me be blunt. Some of you know what it is to be Solomon. Some of you know what it's like to be born into situations you would have rather not been born into. You know what it's like to have skeletons in your closet, if you will. You know what it's like to be embarrassed and ashamed of the decisions that parents may have made or grandparents or siblings or spouses. Remember, the John, remember John Allen Muhammad who was the DC sniper. We'd get in the back of a car, him and that young boy, and they'd put that gun out the trunk and they would shoot people, some of the gas stations. I forget how many there was. I was reading the other night about his daughter, One of the things she said, the most she said, one of the most challenging things that ever happened to me was I went to school, and they looked at me and said, "Do you have guns home too? Do you have guns at home too? Will you do the same thing he did? You're the daughter. I get to ask you anything without how you feel." Another woman by the name of Melissa Moore was the son of a notorious killer, and she said this, or she was the daughter. He said, "I felt unworthy to be alive. I felt unworthy to be happy." She they always lived with the backstory. His life would always have this backstory to it, and yet, what does God do? Hey, you go to that house and you tell them, "I call him Jedediah." You tell him, "I love him." You tell him. You tell him. I don't care what daddy's story is. I'm writing his story. You tell him. I don't care what everybody else says. I love him. The foundation of your life is not who your father is, but who your God is. Listen to me this morning. The foundation isn't who daddy is. The foundation is who God is. The foundation of your life is the love of God. The foundation of your life is not who your father was, but it's who your God is. The foundation of your life will not be your father's love, but your God's love. Daddy may have birthed you, but God is the one who's designed you. Daddy may have birthed you, but he's the one with a plan for your life. Daddy may have birthed you, but he's the one who's created you. Let me tell you something. God doesn't view you through your father's sin. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I am so glad he doesn't look at Tony through my sin. How many know we have the tendency sometimes as people to view people through their parents' sin, through their spouse's sin, through their kids' sin? God doesn't view your future through your father's past. Man, I'm so glad I got a God that does this. God doesn't view you through your child's failure, through your father's failure, through your mother's failure, your spouse's failure. You no longer need to live in the shame of your father's decisions, your mother's decisions, your children's decisions, your husband's decisions, your daughter's decisions, your your wife's decisions. You don't have to live through that. You know why? Because you're God's Jedidiah. He loves you. Now here's, watch this. So David, so when David hears, he's called Jedediah. This is a word to a fallen man who's repentant that God is restoring. And here's a message to a young man that would grow up, and one day he would hear the story, I'm Jedediah. His banner over me is love. And he had a foundation. But listen to me. How many know God also had an appointment for his life? There was, an appoint, there was a God-ordained appointment for Solomon's life, for Jedidiah's life. The destiny was for him to come to be king. The destiny would be for him to build the temple. God had a plan for him because God had a plan for his people. How many know if God has a plan for you, the enemy has a plan to destroy it? If God has a plan for your sons and daughters, the enemy has a plan to destroy it. If God has a destiny for a person, the enemy has a destruction for a person. God's plan was you'll become king. You will be the one to build a house for me. You will be the one to reign. And all of a sudden, he gets towards the moment of stepping into that. And 1 Kings tells us a story, and I'm not reading all the scriptures today, but let me read you two. All of a sudden, there is another who tries to usurp the position of Solomon, Then Adinijah, the son of Haggoth, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And his father had not rebuked him at any time by saying, why have you done so? He was also very good looking. His mother was born him after Absalom. Then he conferred with Joab, the son of Zariah, and Abiathar the priest. And they followed and they helped Adonijah. Now here you're going to see this. So David has this sin. Out of this sin, he comes to a place of confession and repentance. And he birthed a, a, a boy called Solomon that God said, no, 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 no. You call him Jedidiah because I love him. And I've got a royal depo- appointment for his life. And, and he's going to sit on the throne. And he's going to be king and he's going to build a house. And all of a sudden, as he gets close to that moment, Adonijah said, no, 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 no. I want that. And how many know had he got that, he would have destroyed Solomon, he would have killed Solomon. What happens at this point? I'm going to show you something. Listen to me this morning. There's a message in this this morning for the Davids of the house. Your sin may have caused pain, death, chaos, hurt, whatever it might be. But I promise you, your repentance. Before God will produce a Jedidiah, something he loves. You might be here this morning, and you might be the Solomon that was born out of something. And you might have been born into something that you rather would not have been born into. God says, I don't view you through that. I don't see you through that. Now watch this. We're going to transition this to the church for just a moment. Because watch what happens. The king hears about what's going on. And King David said, he hears what's going on with Adonijah. And King David says, call for me, Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada. So they came before the king, and the king said to them, take with you the servants of your Lord, and have Solomon my son ride on my own mule, Take him down to Gahan. There let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him over Israel. And blow the horn and say, long live King Solomon. Then you shall come up after him and he shall come and sit on my throne and he shall be king in my place. For I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and Judah. Mm. Do you see what just happened here? The king, here's what's going on. Conspiring against the divine appointment of a generation. Conspiring against the royal appointment of a generation. And the king says, get me the priest, get me the prophet, and get me Beniah. And let me tell you about Beniah. He was a bad man. Read about him. The priest, the prophet, and the protector were the commissioned of the king, to establish Jedediah's place. God said, I want a priest, I want a prophet, and I want Beniah, one of the mighty men. And I want them to make sure that the destiny of my son is secured. I want them to make sure that the appointment of my son is sure. I want you to make sure he's anointed and he's protected. And I want to say to you this morning that God is looking for a people today that will still stand in the gap and be the prophet and the priest and the protector of a generation that he wants to rise to prominence in this hour. Let's take a look at this. What does this look like? Zadok, the priest, let's talk about him. What was the priest's function? The priest, when, in, in the Old Testament, they would represent the people before God and they would offer various sacrifices that were prescribed in the law. Priests were those who would stand in the gap between God and the people. Zadok would stand before the Lord and stand before the king. Jedediah needs a people who will be priests to reveal the God of heaven to this kid. Jedediah needed a people who, as priests, point this kid towards Jesus Christ, our high priest. I want you to remember something tonight. Let me talk to you this morning. How many of you know this morning that when, how many of you know that Jesus on Calvary's cross, when he shed his blood, there was a divine transaction that took place. And the Bible says very clearly in the book of Revelation that when that happened, he made us to be kingdom and priest to our God. You are a priest this morning, a priest to God on behalf of men. One of my favorite chapters, Revelation five. Then they sang a new song, saying, "Worthy are you to take the book and break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood. Men from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, and you made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God. We were made priests of God to God for men. What's what Paul? is what Paul says as he was doing his ministry? Paul says, I've written very boldly to you on some points so to remind you again because of the grace that was given to me from God. To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest the gospel of God so that my offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified, By the Holy Spirit. Here was Paul. The apostle Paul was walking the earth, preaching the gospel, the good news of God. He was a priest for God, ministering to men so that he could in turn as a priest bring an offering of the Gentiles to God. Do you know what God wants more than your money today? He wants those you help bring to him. The priestly believer stands in the gap To present men to God and God to men. I don't know why it says not there. Obviously a typo. Troy will fix that in a heartbeat. You watch him. Right? The priestly believer, the the function that we serve as a priestly believer. Because you are a priestly believer. You stand in the gap to present men to God. And God to men. Our priestly function is to stand in a gap on behalf of a generation that has a royal appointment, that has a divine appointment. But then there's this prophet, Nathan. The prophet. A prophet in the Old Testament was someone used by God, and they were called seers. Seers. They were to see what God was doing. They were to see what God wanted to do. A prophet was called by God to give visions of God's glory, to speak the words of God. And this prophet, Nathan, spoke into the life of this young boy when he came and said, you call him Jedediah." This man, Nathan, came and prophesied. I was talking about Nathan. That Solomon was born and he had a royal appointment in his life. And there was this assault that came against it to destroy this generation, to destroy this appointment, to destroy the destiny that God had for him. And the king gets word of it, and the king says, no, 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 I'm going to raise up a commission. I'm going to raise up the call, and I'm going to call the priest, and I'm going to call a prophet, and I'm going to call Benaiah a protector. And the prophets were the ones who would see the destiny of this child. He would see the destiny of this child. He would see the future of this child. The prophet came, and watch what the prophet did. The prophet gave him a God-given identity. David might have called him Solomon, but God said through the prophet, you're Jedediah." How many know this morning that you might have a name on this earth, but how many know you have a name in heaven? The the prophet came with a God-given destiny and a God-given future. He heard it, he spoke it, and he said, listen to me this morning. The church of Jesus Christ has got to see the prophetic future of a generation. We need to stop mocking. We need to stop ridiculing. We need to stop being the naysayers. We need to start speaking by faith. And I'm not talking just, listen to me, I'm not talking about young people. I'm talking about a Jedidiah generation is people of all ages. Because there are 80-year-old Jedediahs in here today and there are 10-year-old Jedediahs in here today. I'm talking about a generation of, 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 of mixed race, of mixed ages that, this, that you see the future prophetically. The prophet did not speak from his pain or his prejudice or his preference. The prophet would speak from the word of God. The prophetic function of a generation is to speak according to the word of God. Listen to me this morning. How many of you know you don't have to be a prophet to speak prophetically? How many you know the word of God is prophetic enough? The word of God in and of itself, spoken over a generation, has a prophetic connotation to it, right? The scriptures reveal the prophetic of God. The scriptures speak the prophetic plan of God. You don't know what to say? Say the word of God. You don't know what to pray? Pray the word of God. You don't know what to speak? Speak the word of God. There's a prophetic function of the prophet. And then there was Beniah, the protector, right? Let me go back for a moment. The, the, the prophetic believer sees, hears, and speaks the word of God over a generation. The pathetic believer speaks continual words of death over a generation. The prophetic speaks life. The pathetic speaks death. It takes no faith to be negative. It takes no faith to be critical. Don't tell me you're a realist. I don't care. If you're critical and you say you're a realist, you need to get a dose of the Bible. You need to stop, stop speaking what you think is real, and you need to speak the things that are not as though they are. All you're doing is covering up for a critical spirit. Beniah, Beniah, oh, I love Beniah. I think out of these three, if I had to be one, I'd be him. He'd cut your heart out with a spoon. <laughs> Beniah, you know what Benaiah means? Beniah means Yahweh builds up. Je- Jedediah means beloved of Yahweh. Beniah means Yahweh builds up. Isn't it funny that God's using Beniah to build up the one he loves? So much of Beniah. Beniah, the son of Jehoiada, answered the king and said, Amen. Thus may the Lord, the God of my Lord, say, The Lord has been with my Lord, the king, so he may be with Solomon. Watch this and make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord David. Beniah's life ambition was to see Jedediah raised to the fulfillment of his destiny. His life's ambition was to see Jedediah become great. Benaiah was one of the mighty men. He's the, he's the dude that killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. The Bible tells us about. If you kill on a lion, you're a bad man. Benaiah was a protector of God's appointment. Benaiah was a protector of God's chosen man. You see, let me say it to you simply the protecting believer simply says, Jedediah is safe on my watch. Jedediah is safe on my watch. Let me say this to you. There's one thing I can tell you. You're safe in this house. It's a safe place to fail. It's a safe place to make mistakes. It's a safe place to mess up. That doesn't mean you won't be held accountable. It just means it's a safe place. It's a house of love. It's a safe place. You may have to take your lumps, but it's a safe house. see, I'm giving you a picture for a moment. The picture is this this morning. That God has called and he's looking for the church. Not just this one, but the church. To be able to see what it is that God loves. To see a genediate genedi- generation of every age. And God is saying to a church, will you be those who will stand in the gap so they can be raised to their appointment? Will you be those who prophetically work in their life so they can be raised up? Will you be those who protect a generation from that which would destroy it and keep it from fulfilling its destiny? You see, some of you will hear this message today and you'll find hope because you were David. Some of you will find this hear this message you'll find hope and healing because you were the Solomon who now you know you're Jedidiah. Some of you will hear this message and you will continue to work on behalf of Jedidiah. You will continue to do what you've been doing. You will ask what more can I do? Some will hear this message and say can I do more? Can I do more to see Jedediah raised to prominence? And still there's others that'll hear a message like this and you won't change a thing. You'll continue with the same apathetic, complacent, narcissistic, self-serving Christianity that quite frankly isn't Christianity. Ouch. You will still make it all about you. It'll still be all about your comfort. It'll still be all about you and you and you you will continue to look to Calvary as the source of your salvation, but not look at it as the source of, and standard of sacrificial service. I look to Calvary, and I know it's the source of my salvation. Yet, it is not the source or the standard of service in the body of Christ. Uh-oh. Some will hear this message and say, I've got to do more. Can I do more? I've got this out of order. It's okay. Some will hear this message and not do anything. You will continue to look to the blood of Jesus to cleanse you of your sin, but it's not enough to propel you to bleed for others. Say, Pastor, you're being harsh. No, I'm not. I'm being brutally blunt. Brutally blunt. You stand on, for God so loved the world, but you won't stand in the gap. You will continue to see church as what you do, not who you are. Excuses will continue to excuse you from taking your part, but you will be left without excuse. I know they're hard words. I know they're very direct and they're very blunt. God's looking for a church to raise up a generation. God is looking for a church to raise up the Jedidiahs of this world. He's looking for a church that'll say, I'll do my priestly function. I'll do my prophetic function. I'll protect it. God broke my heart two weeks ago. I don't even want to tell this story because I don't want people to take it the wrong way, but I'm going to tell it anyhow. God never—it was so vivid to me—what God was doing and wants to do. And I don't want. Many of you know we got this little guy living with us. And you, and I'm not going to go into all the charges. I'm just going to tell you, he's Solomon. His father's name will be all forever connected to his life. The latest charges to come out. He'll go to school someday and the the kids will say, what's your dad do? My dad's a pastor. My dad's this. My dad's a, uh, a businessman. My dad does this. And my dad drives truck and my dad owns a business. What's your dad do? He's in jail. For what? What's your dad do? They killed him. They want death penalty. Do you understand that forever his life is connected to Daddy's story? And God showed me, but he's Jedediah. But he's Jedediah. But he's my Jedediah. But it wasn't just about him. It's about a Jedidiah. That are desperately, desperately needing to hear a word that God loves them. That desperately need somebody to stand in the gap on their behalf. That desperately need somebody to speak words of life over them and destiny over them and somebody that'll have their back and say, no, 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 no. You will not be destroyed on my watch. I will protect you from them. I will protect you from the enemy. I will protect you from yourself when you try to destroy yourself. You see, I'm I'm getting ready to close in a little while, like four hours. You You say, what do you want from us, Pastor. I want you to run with the mantle. I want you to run with the mandate upon the church. Not just this church, but every church. I want you to raise up Jedediah. I want you to take your place. I want you to stand in the gap. I want you to speak a prophetic word. I want you to work more. I want you to give more. I want you to love more. Yeah, I do. I want... And I I, I want you. I want want criticism to stop. I'm not saying we're critical house. I'm just talking in general. I want pessimism to stop. I want negativity to stop. I want you to say Jedediah's rising. I want you to live as a Jedediah. I want you to live as I'm Jedediah. I know I'm loved by God. I don't walk in shame anymore. I don't walk in embarrassment anymore. I want you to get into the game. I want you to do more. I want you to give more. I want you to hear the call of God. I want you to hear the commissioning of God. I want, when you see things in this city, I want you to say, you know what? This is us. I think there's a show called that. I don't even know anything about it. Never saw an episode in my life. All I know is when you see certain things, you can understand this. When you see refuge, this is us. When you see transformation, this is us. When you see the Nehemiah Project, this is us. When you see the right school, uh, whatever I call that thing, the right place for kids, this is us. Listen to me. I'm telling you something this morning. I know that I know, Michal, in a shadow of a doubt. Now more than ever, the vision of that place over there. I have no idea how we're getting there. The challenge is huge, but my God is huge. I have no idea, but I will say this much: Jedediah is rising. You see, because here's what I want you to understand. We're all Jedediah. You say, who's Jedediah? We all are. We're all Jedediah. How many know we all were born into a legacy of sin? How many know your daddy was a sinner and your mother was a sinner? The human race was sinful and all of us were that Solomon born and yet, the good news is I have a king who commissioned Jesus to bring Jedediah to his royal appointment. Jesus, the high priest, took his place in the gap for me, Jedediah. Jesus, the prophet, heard, spoke, and worked the prophetic plan of God for Jedediah. Jesus, the protector, waged war against all that opposed Jedediah. Jesus is looking for a people who will be the commissioned of the king to see Jedediah rising. Why do we do it? Because it's what he did. I'm telling you without a shadow of a doubt what God is saying. When you drive down Route 80 with Jed in the back seat, just you and him, and God breaks your heart. It's not because it's just that situation. It's because of what he wants to do. Come on, Troy. Who are you? Tommy said to me the other night, I was sharing with Tommy Reed this, God was putting in my heart. He stopped me. He said, Who are you? Which of those are you? I said, I don't know, man. I'm a hot mess. I said some days I'm um, Zadok. Stands in a gap. Some days I'm um, Nathan. I see so clearly. Some days I'm um, Beniah. And I just want to cut somebody's heart out with a spoon. <laughs> to protect Jedediah. <laughs> Their life's ambition was to see that boy raised to his destiny you see in this room today you you know I I told Seth the other day Seth runs the door now I got something for you man you see because in this role you certainly are a benaiah but you got a bunch of kids coming to a house every evening for meals they're safe in that house Got their back. And yet you got there through a season of pain. You got there by the rejection of man and the appointment of God. Isn't it funny when the rejection of God becomes the appointment, Or the, I'm sorry, the rejection of man becomes the appointment of God. You see, all you saw was a rejection for a season. It wasn't rejection of man, it was appointment of God. Put your hand up. But that's who you are. Brian Porter probation and parole that's a fun job but see it's more important you have to administer justice and you have to be fair and you have to hold people accountable and sometimes that stinks and sometimes it causes them to hate you This comes with the territory but but I want you to make sure today you see what you do What you do is a role of this prophet and this priest and protector to bring a Jedidiah generation to their destiny. Oh, boy, we're going to be here a while probably. (laughs) You know, the mental health arena is not a fun place to be, is it? But yet, you're a light in a dark place. And you got all the learning. You got all the book learning. You're a smart guy. And yet, there's a spirit of God inside of you. That you're standing in the gap for people that don't even know sometimes. And some of the stuff you deal with is really, man, just this messed up. And I want you to wear this, okay? And I want you to wear it because God has his hand upon you in that place so that you can help bring people out of dark places. There's been an assignment of hell against him, but there's an appointment of God that you bring him to. Say, so how many of those things do you have on? Fifteen. Fifteen. I love being a goof. I always want to be a goof the rest of my life. I'm a hot mess. Oh, the red line. I will never forget the story of the red line. What you do in that track club, brother, is breaking that, is expanding that, just getting rid of that red line. And you are absolutely performing a priestly function. You absolutely see prophetically. And you absolutely walk as a beniah. But God's calling you to more. Sorry. (laughs) Don't worry. Everybody's getting one. I'm not going to speak to everybody, though. I want to go eat supper sometime. You know, my friend. offering. You are Jedediah. Thrust into something you didn't choose. Rejection, but God says, you're my Jedediah. My friend Paul you know what I'm talking about you work so hard you, 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 you don't stop you're almost 80 years old every week you're over there with me we're pounding away, banging away working on that classroom because you believe in a generation you've done this since you've been in this church you also know what it is to have the pain And when we dedicated Connor you remember we called him Jedediah that day Honor you. Well, that was sounded good in the mic, didn't it? Hi, pretty girl. Oh, my friends. Yeah, I got one of yours, too. I know where you're at. And I know where your heart is. And yet, I use a phrase sometimes. You had to plant a seed that you'd rather not plant. And you planted that pain. And sometimes we plant. We plant in pain. We plant in pain. We sow in pain. But we reap with joy. my son you buried a daughter I said he will be the seed of sons and daughters not the seed of pain for the rest of my life although there's pain the rest of your life for a moment and yet God has given you platforms to be able to minister to not just the Jedidiahs but the parents of Jedidiahs You'll be able to tell them who God is. And there's so much you're going to be able to do. And God didn't plan it that way. It wasn't God saying, I'm going to do this so they can. No, 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 no. It's just life happened. And I want you to take that. That's a big hand to go over. We We need a 3X for this one. Okay, I got it. That was much easier on her. Phrase with my daughter once. I told her the pain of today is the strength of tomorrow. You'll be strong. You'll be strong. Raise up Jedediah. Protect them. You're a protector. You all join me in just a moment, if you would. I, I understand what the time is. I really don't care. I, it, it, it's just a, it, it, the, the, the pretending to care is just a facade. Come here, Rick. Oh, Ricky, you're such a lover. Your heart weeps over those kids. Paul Holland asked you to help with those kids. Worst thing you ever did in your life, wasn't it? (laughs) Not to mention the chaos of Wednesday nights. But that's not what you hate. You hate the pain that you see. You hate the chaos that you see. You drive that truck some days and you weep over it. And you're up here almost every Saturday since we started that project. Working, painting, doing whatever. And all I got to say to you is keep living. Loving Jedediah. Stop! You, you, it's not so much what you teach in those rooms; it's how much you love in those rooms. And God says, just keep loving Jedediah. Y'all saying, what's he going to do? He only has fifteen. Want to bet? something on all of you. Some of you had to pick it up. I love making a mess. My question is, will you pick up and run with it? Will you pick it up? Or will you just say, nah, it's not for me. Will you pick up this mandate Will you pick it up and run with it? Don't you take 40 of these either. I saw somebody eyeing them up already. Hey, I can get 47 of those. I can sell some of those on eBay. My question to you this morning is, who will say I will be a priest on behalf of Jedediah? I will be a prophet. I will see prophetically on the behalf of Jedediah. who will be a Beniah, the protector of a Jedediah? But there was one other is it this David. Forget about David. Because you know what David was? David was the provider. He was the provider for Jedidiah. Everything that he needed to do what he was called to do, daddy did the preparations. Daddy made it happen. In this house, God is calling the prophets and the priests and the protectors and the providers to pick up A mandate to raise up a Jedidiah. David gave a prophet, priest, and a protector to raise Jedidiah. But listen to me, Jedidiah had to listen to a prophet, priest, and protector. Stop rebelling against the words that people are speaking into your life. God has put priestly people in your life. He has put prophetic people in your life. He has put people in your life to bring you to the destiny. Listen to them. Listen to them. Come on. Who would pick up this? Who who would say this morning, I I want one of those? Anybody want one of these? Anybody want to run with this thing? Anybody want to run with this mandate this morning? I'm putting a mandate on this church this morning. I want to know, will anybody pick one of these up and say, I'm with you too? I'm not giving it to you no more. I'm done giving it to them. I had some people. Now you're going to have to pick it up. I know it's just a stupid rubber bracelet. I know what it is. I know it's a wristband. I know it's just a wristband, but it's a wristband with a meaning. That when you see that name on there, Jedediah Rising. that Stay up here. Come on up and stay up here. Just stay up here. Just stay up here with me. I'm just going to have you stay up here. We're going to pray over you this morning. Stick around for a minute. I haven't. I I, I I promise not to spit on you if you stay close. I hope you're hearing my heart this morning. I hope you're hearing the urgency of the hour this morning. I even got one for a pollock. You stole it, Ah. <laughs> See, I can't make you take this. Some I went up and I gave to because God showed me to do that. I have their names written down. Others are going to have to pick it up on your own volition. Make way for people. Just kind of spread out some. I said that this would be the most important message I preached this year. And I still believe that, even now. Say, where do you go from here? That's up to you. Father, I speak over this body today. I speak over these friends. I speak over these brothers and sisters. I speak over these priests. I speak, speak over these prophets. I speak over the protectors. I speak over the providers. Yes, God, you're calling for more. Yes, God, you're calling for the Lord this morning. But why wouldn't you call for more? Your son's standard, your son's commitment, your son's sacrifice is the standard that we ascribe to. You set it. You set the measurement. Father, I pray this morning for those in this room this morning that were the Davids, that they produced something that was death. They produced something from sin. They produced something that caused pain. They produced something that died. That hope was restored this morning. That if they will walk in confession and they will walk in repentance and they walk in restitution, that they will produce something that you say, I love that. That's Jedidiah. Father, I pray this morning for those in this house that have been born into crap, born into junk, born into this chaos, born into dysfunction, that have backstories, that have walked in shame and walked in embarrassment, that this day they would hear one thing, they are Jedediah. You love them. You don't look at them through your, their dad. You don't look at them through their mom. You don't look at them through their children. You look at them through the eyes of God. You look at them through Calvary. You look at through them Jesus Christ. They are your Jedediah, beloved by God. And Father, I pray, I pray that we cannot walk out of this house and continue as apathetic, narcissistic self-serving Christians. Yes, I know it sounds harsh, but that is the reality we live in. That we no longer would look at Calvary as just a means of our salvation, but it's the measurement by which we serve. That the blood of Jesus shed for me on the cross determines the blood I shed for those you want to bring to their appointment. Mm. So, Father, this is not just a gimmick this morning. This is not just something to, oh, wasn't it? We had some fun with the wristbands. No, 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 no. I want you to read it. And when I want you to read it I want you to say, Jedediah rising. I want you to say, I'm Jedediah. I'm rising. I'm rising from the ashes. I'm rising from defeat. I'm rising from the past. I'm rising up. I'm Jedediah. But I want them, when they see the news, oh, when they see the local news, and they see the drug addict that was arrested and the drug dealer was arrested, and they see this one arrested and that one arrested, and they see all the junk, they say you know what? That's Jedediah. That's Jedediah. Father, I pray this week when we our van drivers get in the van, they say, I'm going to pick up Jedediah. They say, Where are you going? I'm going to pick up Jedediah. When the teachers walk into rooms this week, they say, Who are you teaching? I'm teaching Jedediah. You see, Jedediah is all of us. Jedediah rising oh it's the best way I know to close it the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace come on Jedediah. come on Jedediah. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up. There was no king greater than Solomon. Jedediah. Jedediah. Come on. I send you out with the confidence of knowing you're Jedediah. I send you out with the commission that you raise up Jedediah. In Jesus' name.